everyone, and welcome to the Growth Tribe podcast, where we're all about growing ourselves to create lives we effing love on our terms. I'm Ellen, and I'm a former biomedical researcher turned coach who fell in love with personal growth when it empowered me to transform my health, quit my PhD, travel the world, and start my own business. But do not get me wrong, I'm still figuring my shit out too, and I'm so pumped to share what I'm learning along the way. We've got amazing interviews, big stories, tips, tricks, and no bullshit action steps that we can all learn from. So with that, welcome to this episode of The Growth Drive. Today's episode is brought to you by The Growth Tribe Academy. If you are an avid Growth Tribe listener, then girl, you've got to check out The Growth Tribe Academy. In the Academy, we're putting all the tools and resources you need to take your growth to the next level, all in one convenient space. You'll get access each month to a growing library of personal growth content. Basically, Netflix for personal growth. You'll get video content, monthly live coaching, and of course, a community of growth-oriented peeps to support you all for a super affordable monthly price. Because my goal is to make this stuff accessible AF. We cover everything from setting better boundaries, healthy living, habits, self-compassion, values, and so much more. If you want some more information, go ahead and check out the show notes at coachellen.com slash podcast. With that, let's get into this week's show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Growth Drive podcast. I feel like it's been freaking forever since I've done an intro, since I've recorded an episode. I got very, very ahead Thank God, because August was a very, very crazy month for me in my day job. Um, But I'm so pumped to be back at it today because I am introducing today's guest, Amy Simpkins. And let me just say, Amy and I bonded immediately because we are both science nerds. Amy has an engineering background, so we definitely nerd out just a teeny bit in this episode. But more importantly than that, Amy introduced me to this idea of the fact that growth is cyclical. It's an iterative process and there are seasons to growth and there are seasons to life in the exact same way that there are seasons in our year. You know, in the same way that we have autumn, spring, winter, in that same manner, we have seasons to our lives and seasons to our growth. And it has been so enlightening to really learn this and to read Amy's book, which you guys will hear more about, about how this applies to our growth and our professional and personal development. So I'm super, super excited to introduce you guys to Amy, to this topic. It's an awesome interview. It's a teeny bit long, so let's just dive straight in. Amy, welcome. Welcome to the Growth Tribe Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here, fellow STEM person. So I feel like we're going to nerd out a little bit today. Ellen, from the moment I read like your bio, I was like, this is a kindred spirit. Like we have to talk. Yes. <laughs> a thousand percent. A thousand percent. So I obviously know that we're kindred spirits, but tell everybody a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background so they can see where the, the nerdy vibes are coming from. <laughs> all right, cool. So you guys all know that Ellen, of course, is a former microbiologist. That's her background. My uh, background is in aerospace engineering. My mom would tell you that I'm a rocket scientist, which is not wrong. I actually <laughs> spent, I spent 10 years uh, designing and flying spacecraft, not as an astronaut. I flew them from the ground. Um, and um, we're going to talk, I think, in a little bit about my transition out of that. But like it was, I was living the dream kind of until I wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
and I really got the itch. I wanted to try something new. I had, I had met a lot of the goals that I set out to meet in that industry. And I was, my life was changing, color me shocked. And so what I do nowadays, I run two different businesses. Um, my husband and I, my husband is also a nerd, electrical engineer, PhD. Um, and we, <laughs> yes, we, it's, it's, it's awesome when nerd love happens, let me tell you. Um, but uh, he and I have joined forces to run a renewable energy consulting firm. Um, and we help commercial industrial organizations or really any who want to be greener, install energy assets that help them both be greener and save money in the process. So we do lots of different work all over the U.S., all over the world. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. And then simultaneous to that, I also um, personally do innovation facilitation for entrepreneurs. And I love to spre spread the message that everyone is an innovator, that you know, by virtue of being human, you're an innovator because you're a problem solver. And particularly people who are business owners who are in entrepreneurship who are designing solutions for other people solving other people's problems absolutely innovate every day and so i'm a coach i'm a business strategy consultant and i help uh, entrepreneurs work out sticky points whether that's in their business model their marketing strategy or even in their products when they're trying to develop a product and it's a new innovative thing like i come in and help facilitate that process Ugh, so cool. You wear a lot of hats nowadays. I do wear a lot of hats. And at some times I wonder if that's entirely healthy. <laughs> but at other times, you know, it's like I wouldn't really have it any other way. Like, yeah. it's it makes me feel really fulfilled to use all of my gifts. Mm -hmm. And that's what is happening for me right now in my career. I'm also a mom to three small children, which is an entirely different skill set. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so yeah, I do wear a lot of hats, but I'm trying to, I've come to see how they all kind of fit together. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's all it all comes from holistic me, I am the common thread. So mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. I've been reading a book lately called I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called uh, Re The Renaissance Soul by Margaret Lobenstein. I've um, heard of that. Oh, it's the second time I've read it. I read it last year and became obsessed. And so I'm rereading it again this year. Um, I feel like multi-passionateness is going to come up a fair amount in this conversation. But before we get into that, I'm really, really curious about how you made the transition from being a rocket scientist to what you're doing now. Like, was it, did you go direct from rocket scientist to coach or was your other business kind of the in-between? No, it was, it was the coach thing. Uh, because what I what I like to say is my crowning achievement as a coach was coaching my husband to leave his corporate job and start this business. I and then <laughs> and and my income that I had generated from being a coach. So when I when I transitioned out of corporate, he was working his corporate job at the na at a national lab. And he, it was his stable income that sort of allowed us to do that as a family with small kids without a ton of fear. And he was like, yeah, go, you know, spread your wings, find yourself, whatever you need to do. And we made a plan like, you know, if by this date, you know, we haven't made progress, like maybe I'll go back and get a corporate job or something. Mm -hmm. like you, you know, like our technical thinker is always like plan A, B, C, D, E, you know, and oh, so we had our fallback. <laughs> and so then, then the, the income that I was generating from my coaching business actually allowed him to take the lead. 
and start his own thing. And so, and we were like, oh, look at us. We're all diverse. Not all our eggs are in one basket. And um, then he started to realize he was like, I need help running, like running the business. He's like, I, I can do the technical work. But like all of the business stuff that goes around that, the marketing and the sales and the contracting and the taxes. And he's like, I don't, I don't know how to do that stuff. And I said, well, just so happens I'm a business coach. <laughs> I know how to build, I help people build businesses. So, um, and, and I said, I, I made him an offer. I said, I would love to come on with you. Like, I think my title should be CEO because I'm going to be the chief executive officer. Like execution will be my thing. Uh -huh. You know, you're clearly a CTO, you're technical expert. Like you're the one they want in terms of subject matter expertise. Uh -huh. But like, you know, so between the two of us, we have a really complementary skill set. but we both have background. Like my technical background is in system modeling and system architecture of complex systems, which happen to be spacecraft. And so anyway, I'm telling the big story about <laughs> getting into renewable energy. Let's go back. Let's pop. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, how then did you get an interest in coaching? Yeah, that was, that was kind of the first thing. And, and it was random. And it was, I wanted to be an engineer from the time I was 12. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to build spacecraft. I wanted to fly. I wanted to build things with my hands. Like, that was, and, and I... I thought I had it figured out. I was like, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, guys. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I know. That's how I was when I was in junior high and high school. Right. I was just like, show you people who don't know what you're going to major in. I got this. I'm finished. <laughs> yeah. and, and I did not leave. I literally, this sounds so weird to say, but I literally did not leave any room in my psyche for the fact that I might change in the future. Oh that I might change as a person that my desire might change, that my skill set might change because I would learn new things. Holy crap. Have new yeah. interests. OMG. <laughs> right. Or, or that I would like get to a place and, you know, I like to tell people like, yes, I was living the dream. Like designing spacecraft is super cool. But at the end of the day, it's still a corporate job. Mm -hmm. Like you have to go and because it's spacecraft, we work a lot with the government, which has a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, let you sit in a lot of meetings and a lot, not a lot gets done. Um, the example I like to give is, and this is, you can go do this research if you like, this is out there. So the new manned spacecraft, Orion, that's replacing the space shuttle. I helped write the phase two proposal for that system in 2006. I was on the proposal team. We wrote the proposal, we won the proposal, and then we began the design process. In the proposal response, we said, we win the proposal in 2006. First launch happens in 2012. Now that's six, a six year timeline uh -huh. to implement a system. And you're like, sure, it's a manned spacecraft, very complex, lots of safety issues. Sure, okay, it takes a long time, but that's, that's worth it. Okay, as of today, it's June of 2019. And that sucker has not launched. And they're still working on it. They that's a program they didn't cut. Like there were other programs that like, like people spent 10, 15 years working on the program and then Congress cut the funding. Sorry, your life's work just mm -hmm. gone. And I, I found that really frustrating to be honest. Like I, I, <laughs> I loved the mission and I still to this day love the mission. Like I am still passionate about space exploration. I think it's amazingly cool. The last project I worked on was Juno, 
which is currently in orbit around Jupiter. Anytime you see on Facebook those pictures of um, Jupiter, like the new ones, mm-hmm. they're like, ooh, brand new picture of Jupiter. That's from Juno. I worked on that one. Um, like pat yourself on the back. Yeah, I'm like, that's my baby's face. <laughs> and so, yeah, like I started to, that. So it was a, I call it a perfect storm. Uh-huh. I started to get frustrated in the corporate setting. I started to look, I, I had just had two kids. I was coming back from maternity leave. I'm like, it's time to like move on in my career. And I started looking around and I'm like, it looks like, you know, I've done all of this awesome, diverse technical work, but like, what's next? Climbing the corporate ladder, like moving into management. Ugh. Like, I was just not inspired. And I interviewed for several different positions and just was like, none of this feels fun. Mm-hmm. None of this feels like compelling to me. Mm-hmm. And were you like looking for variety, do you think? Or well, particularly I wanted to move into a very specific type of position mm-hmm. um, around system architecture, which is kind it's a special it's kind of a specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where you need to have a lot of broad experience, but then, you know, people who are system architects are really good at integrating all of that broad experience. Mm-hmm. So it's both, it's both a breadth and depth kind of position. Mm-hmm. So it takes a really okay. kind of special mindset mm-hmm. to do that. And, and so I, I always said system architects are born, not made. Like it's hard to teach it. It, it requires a lot of intuition, um, because you, you need to look at data and interpret it. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved that about it. And so I was looking for system architecture roles and it was just, there's just not that many of them. A lot of them want more experience. I was like, okay, great. This literally happened. Like, okay, great. I need more experience. What kind of experience should I have? So you'll give me this kind of job. And they were like, I don't know. <laughs> oh um, my God. I feel like this is, this is STEM fields in a nutshell, particularly anything that has any sort of like science in it is, oh, you're, you're either too, too experienced in one niche and so right. you specialize or you need experience that they can't tell you what experience to, to get. You're either overqualified or like massively underqualified. <laughs> it's so it's so true. And it was too important to me. Uh-huh. It was too important to me to be doing a job I really love doing. And to that point in my career, I had been uh-huh. as a, as a corporate engineer, it had fulfilled that for me. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it wasn't fulfilling that anymore. Uh-huh. And so that was that part that was like the, the on the corporate side part. Uh-huh. And it, simultaneously a friend of mine who was part of an MLM, was trying to recruit me into her MLM, her multi-level marketing, right? Yeah. Where like yeah. they're trying to recruit the next person. Yeah. And they, they, in this particular business, they called them coaches. Like, because t- you have a team underneath you, uh-huh. so you would become a coach. Was it funny? It was. I was That's not going to say that. started. Later. Well, so I, I did it. Well, so, okay. So we I, are I did, the same person. That's where I got this started. This is insane. This, it, no, it's really, it's uncanny. So it was Beachbody. So I did her little fitness group. Mm-hmm. I did it twice. And she, and I'm really like when I'm engaged with the group, I'm engaged. And so I went, I was in her Facebook group and she approached me and she was like, girl, she was like, you are so encouraging to people and you're, you know, you're supportive and you always meet people right where they are. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered being a coach? And it was like, 
the heavens parted, the spotlight shone down, the angels were singing, my entire life flashed before my eyes. And it was like, you know, it, it echoed in my head. Consider being a coach, consider being a coach. And like, all my life, people had said to me, you're really good with people, like you can see the big picture. You know, I've, I had people when I was in high school said, you're going to be an educator, right? Aren't you? Are you going to sit on the board of education? Like, and I was like, no, are you joking? I'm a, I'm a nerd. I like math. I don't like people. I like math. Thanks. And like, I'm going to build spacecraft. Like, isn't that good enough for you? You know, I was, I was looking at your, your bio on your website at, where you were like, and it impressed people. Mm-hmm. And like, I always found that about, you know, aerospace as well. Spacecraft I got a as well, sick like, satisfaction out of how people would respond right. to when I would say I'm getting my PhD in microbiology, like some dude right. as a random Home Depot employee. Did you hear that episode? Yeah. No, no, no. Tell uh, me, tell I me. I think I, I think I had said this, if I haven't said this before, hello listeners, you get to hear this too. Um, <laughs> this random Home Depot employee asked me, I was going to the University of Michigan for graduate school and he asked me what I was doing there while he was trying to, you know, hear from, <laughs> we're going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> Um, he asked me what I was doing at the University of Michigan, um, and I was like, oh, I'm getting my PhD in microbiology. I just turned my phone on, do not disturb. Um, (laughs) and he kind of looks at me and he goes, oh, you're a a glutton for punishment. And I got like this sick satisfaction out of the fact that this random Home Depot employee was like, damn. Yes. Me too. I'm so I'm right there with you. I'm right there mm-hmm. with you. Okay, so where was I in the story? So so yeah, people had said this to me like my entire life. Like, are you sure engineering? You really you know you're really good with people, and I'm like you're crazy. I'm not good with people, but it was like it was like I needed to have hear it at the right moment. Mm-hmm. And here I was at the mo- at this crux in my life where I was like I don't know what I want to do next with my life. I don't know where I'm supposed to go next. By the way, I had gotten to the astronaut application and I basically decided not to put it in. Like I sat there in front of the blank application and I was like, I don't think this is what I want with my life. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to live in Houston and I don't want to, like, I want to do creative work. I want to create things. I want to like, I don't, you know, flying in space would be super duper cool, but that's not what I want to do with my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I had already started to move and say like, I, Hey, I may not actually know what I want to do with my life. And so she said that. And I was like, Holy crap. I could be a coach. And she was like, really? Cause she wanted to recruit me to beach body. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh, not beach body. I was like, I think I need to be a life coach. And so I started, like I started Googling and I went down the Google rabbit hole of mm-hmm. like, smart passive income with Pat Flynn and like um, I'm trying to think of other names, Leonie Dawson out of Australia. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, people do this. Like people have an idea and then they use that idea to help other people who pay them money. This is insane. (laughs) I never in my life because you know, in, and prop in microbiology, I'm sure any STEM field as well, you know, to us when we're in college, or grad school, like entrepreneurship means the traditional tech startup route where you uh-huh. raise venture capital 
and they're a pile of investors. And unless you get several million dollars, you're not doing anything, you know? And like, that's how I viewed entrepreneurship. And I saw that and I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. That's, I can't do that. And I will a thousand percent admit, and all of my fellow science majors and engineering majors at my university, if you say you didn't ever think this, you are lying through your teeth. We all looked at the business majors and we're just like, oh, you went the easy route. Right. Like we have the real majors over here. We're the science and we're the STEM majors, you know, get your little business degree. And I feel like an asshole now that I ever thought that, but I did. Well, I, I thought think, it was the easy route when I was in college. And now I'm just kind of like, oh, if I only knew. <laughs> I mean, to be, I will defend us because to be honest with you, like I do think med- majoring in STEM teaches you how to think. It teaches you how to think about problems. It teaches you it's it's what I preach every day. Like it teaches you innovation mindset. It teaches you how to get curious about something. And I do think to a certain extent, a lot of business schools just turn, no offense, business majors, do turn out, you know, people who are going to go work in corporate and it's not necessarily the entrepreneurial mindset, yeah, you know, and it, there's sort of a distinction there, but anyway. Yeah. So, that was our tangent for the day. guys. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. In hindsight, do I wish I had more business training? I don't know. I picked up a lot of business training in through corporate, you know, that, cause like, as you move through corporate, they're like, Oh, here's how we do the budget. And here's how we do it. Mm. Um, and a lot of it I learned in school of hard knocks. Like I started yeah. up my business and I'm like, I can figure this out, which is a very STEM mindset, you know, yeah. to the say like, solver. If I don't know it, I'm sure I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I started messing around. Uh, th- so this is a funny story. So I put, I, I put up a website or a Facebook page or something. And I, oh, I made a Facebook post to my friends and family. And I was like, heads up. This was before I quit corporate. I was like, heads up. I'm going to be a life coach. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm now a life coach. So bring your problems and I will help you solve them. And I immediately got all the clients. <laughs> And I immediately got so many people with like really, really like big, serious problems, mm-hmm. like depression and abusive spouses and like alcoholism. And I was like, oh, wait, like this is not what I meant. I am not able to do, like, I'm not qualified for that. Like, never mind. And I sh- basically shut up shop. And I tried to start three or four other businesses kind of in the course of that year. And around the spring, I came back to, like, six months later, I was like, no, like, I think I really am cut out to be a coach. This is really what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, but I need to set boundaries around what that looks like. I need to be careful about what I want to help people with, what my skills are, and when I'm not equipped to do it. And so that kind of, that, that was the start. And I ended up, quitting my job very shortly thereafter, mostly because I was in transition between two positions and came home crying and was like, I don't know how I can keep doing this. And my husband was like, I don't think you can, like, I don't think you should, um, you know, try it. And so, uh, I left and it was great. Wow. I love all of that. And I, what I really like too is, and this is another way our stories overlap is, and that's kind of why I made a face when you said this, is I was told 
as well when I was in late high school, early college, like, are you going to go into teaching? Are you going to be like a, a, a biology teacher? Um, you have natural skill at that. And I was just like, no, I'm going into research. Like, duh, I'm going to be a researcher. Um, and I kind of scoffed at it. And then as soon as I started the whole, oh, you should be a coach kind of route, I started to realize that even like, at this point in my life, I have been coaching in some capacity for 12, 15 years, like coaching and mentoring in some capacity for 12 or 15 years, like maybe not in the current capacity, but it's interesting to see that reflected back when you look at your life, you know, hindsight's 2020, all that. Um, so I find that really, really interesting. Um, so how do you, how important do you feel like it was for you? I'm kind of going to bring in that multi-passionate piece here. How important do you feel like it was to you to have, to start to create a life where you could cater to all of these different interests and these different passions that you have? I mean, you talked about wanting to be more creative with your work. Obviously, you're, you're a mom, so you want, like, the capacity to have more of that in your life. You love the entrepreneurial, but you also have this scientist in the back of you. How important was it for you to combine that, and how do you feel like your current position has allowed you to do that? Oh, it's hugely important. I mean, I think that would be, that's like a raison d'etre of becoming an entrepreneur for me is, was that type of integration. I really felt like a multi, like a split personality, you know, like I had my work personality and then I had my mom personality. And then I have this third, like Amy as an individual personality. And, and it felt very fragmented. And I will say that when I left engineering, I had a very unexpected in hindsight, not unexpected, but at the time, very unexpected total identity crisis. Because I realized, I realized I had built my entire identity on job title of engineer. Like, who are you? I'm an engineer. Like, that was the answer to the question. It wasn't like, oh, that's, my, I majored in engineering. Oh, that's what I do for a living. Like, it was like, that's who I am. And if I'm not that, who am I? And going through that process, of like releasing engineer as a job title but then like you're saying in hindsight I did a bunch of work to say like well then who really am I and some of the themes that made me a good engineer came through like I am an architectural thinker I am fundamentally an integrator and I don't just mean that in the tech sense of the word I mean I see things that are separate and I'm good at bringing them together I'm good at seeing parallels between separate subjects, drawing analogies, seeing how things are fundamentally the same, fundamentally different, and then using that. And that's something you definitely do in engineering when you're building a complex system so that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Mm -hmm. But like, that is like, that is who I am. I am Amy the integrator, whether that means like integrating a family if it means integrating a business, if it means helping other people integrate their own personalities so they can be more effective at work as an entrepreneur, whatever, like that's who I am. And like the threads were in engineering. And, and it was just a really interesting and very uh, sometimes painful and difficult <laughs> journey uh -huh. to get through all of that. Um, but I'm loving being in my late 30s right now very much looking forward to my 40s and having that like sense of my own integrated no pun intended personality yeah oh i'm i'm so happy you said that because and i'm starting to wonder if this is a theme 
among, you know, maybe maybe even all professionals. I think it's kind of become our culture a little bit that we do identify ourselves by our job titles. Like that was what I struggled so much with when I was in graduate school is, yeah, I was a scientist. Yeah, I was a PhD student. But I was so much more than that, and I felt so pigeonholed by the label. And I, like, even when I was trying to get out of my comfort zone and get out of my box, and I remember I took a, um, I audited this, this really interesting course at the Roth School of Business at the University of Michigan, and I loved it. It was fascinating. It was so fun to be around different types of personalities and different types of people who had all these varied passions but I was still identified as the PhD student when I was in that class and it drove me crazy. But it was simultaneously though, when I left graduate school, I had a lot of trouble letting go of that as my mm-hmm. identity because it, it, I, I didn't know who I was without science. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What, what process did you kind of go through? <laughs> to I was like, no, I'm like, just the way I do everything, brute force. Like, you know, um, I mean, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a pretty process. I can't tell you the program I followed. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of it had to do with, I definitely, well, I definitely dug into like, you know, spiritual resources. Like I got, you know, more and more in tune with myself in terms of, um, physicality, like, you know, instead of just exercising to work out, like exercising to, to tune in, you know, um, learn just lot, the loads, <laughs> I just, I just read your bio, the loads of personal development work, mm-hmm. you know, of like trying this, trying that, trying a life coach, trying a psychic healer, trying, uh, you know, a meditation practice, trying like, and just doing a ton of experimentation to figure mm-hmm. out like, and every time getting a little closer of like, you know, what are your core values? Okay, let's write them down again. Because this was something, you know, on every career assessment I'd ever done until I left engineering, it would say something like, what are your life goals? And I'd be like, I don't even need to think about it. Like, it's automatic. I write it down. Like, you know, astronaut, spacecraft, blah, like, that's it. Uh-huh. And it was sort of like, I had never stopped to say, wait a second. Like, what are my life goals, actually? I have two children now. I have a husband. I have, I own a home, like, you know, that I didn't when I made this, you know, I fell in love with a new state, the state of Colorado. Like, you know, I love where I live, which I, is kind of a new thing to just really, really love the place, very, yeah. like, very passionately. And like, yeah, what are my life goals? Like, I haven't asked that question in a really long time. And these were the seeds of, you know, this, my spiral process and, and seeing that like everything needs to be iterative, not just, you know, tech design needs to be iterative or, you know, business development is iterative, but like my own personal development, like I need to leave space for myself to grow and for my needs and desires to change. Revolutionary. Who would have thought? <laughs> But it was such a hard process to get there. And, and yeah. I love that. I, I remember when, when we first connected, it was over. That was the big thing that you said is that growth is iterative. It doesn't matter what it's coming from. And I experienced the exact same thing. 
it wasn't about having a clearly defined path. It was about trial and error. It was about beating my head against the wall. I went through what I call a quarter life crisis in the fall of 2015 into the winter of 2016. Like it was yeah. not pretty, but the outcome was having such a clearer picture of what I wanted, what I didn't want, what I valued and what I didn't value. And I'm glad you brought up values because for all of you out there who are always like, Oh, I'm a very value oriented person. Like I, I am very value focused. That's wonderful that you think that, but tell me what are your values? Can you articulate them? How do you embody them in our day to day? A lot of us don't know until we sit down and do this, this iterative work. And here's a question about your values. If you can name your personal values, like how do they show up for you at work? Mm-hmm. Like and how do they show up? Friends. Right, right. Yes, that's the key. And how do they show up for you in your parenting? And how do they show up for you, you know, when you're traveling? And like, it's, that's part of this whole, like being a unified person, being mm-hmm. a holistic person, uh, you know, a, a, a whole person showing up as a whole person mm-hmm. is that like, your values aren't, are, aren't different, mm-hmm. no, you know, depending on the hat you're wearing or the location you find yourself in, like they don't change mm-hmm. and they should be the drivers behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Kind of stepping back to this iterative idea, how can we use like knowing that growth is iterative? I mean, hell, our lives are iterative. How can we use that knowledge to be a bit more intentional about I don't know, the, the, the growth we're investing in, the, the goals we're setting, like how can we kind of use that shift in mindset? Okay, so this is perfect. This has become like pretty much my life's work at this point. And I, I, I hesitate to say that because I'm probably going to grow and there'll be mm-hmm. something else. But right now at this phase of my life, like talking about this iterative nature of growth is my life's work. And the origin story behind that is that I saw in engineering, you know, learning lessons learned from engineering, how we as an engineering community had this linear step-by-step approach to developing a system. Like first you get the requirements, then you design a system to those requirements, then you test the system to make sure they fulfill the requirements, and then you launch it. Four steps. Easy. Mm -hmm. And that could be done, but, and it was done, but a, a lot of times, there were a very, very expensive failures that went along with that in both monetary expensiveness mm-hmm. and also there was also loss of life. Like, you know, I, the, the example I always use is the Apollo program mm-hmm. where we just, you know, we choose to go to the moon and like, boom, 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 we did it. And three astronauts died in the Apollo one fire. Like, you know, if we had been able to step back and take more of a, graceful iterative approach would that have happened I don't know you can't do you can't look back like that but like it is expensive and and in fact when we get into like the computer revolution in technology and people are developing uh things on much shorter timelines software and computer Uh hardware on much shorter timelines that linear step-by-step approach doesn't work because there's so much time like you have to sit there and think about it Mm-hmm. and make sure it's right before you move on to the next step. Whereas if you think iteratively and you're like, okay, I'm going to build the, the minimum viable product right now. And then I'm going to put that out there either in, as a beta test 
or as a first version. And then I'm going to see how it does. And then I'm going to like go back and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it better. I'll add features. I'll make, you know, whatever. We see this with like the Windows operating system. How many versions of Windows have there been since its inception? And how much more fully featured is it now than it was back then? So I, I knew that. I was an engineer. That's what I learned in school. And when I started being a coach, and this is how my coaching evolved, I saw it as people, I started coaching people more and more who wanted to build their own businesses. Like it evolved kind of naturally into that. And I looked at, at the, like the business gurus out there selling courses. And they're like, if you just follow this six step process, you too can be making six figures in the next 60 days. And I'm like, I wish you guys could see her face when she just said that. Cause it was so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can I swear on here? Yes. <laughs> bullshit. I call bullshit. And like, that is a, and I saw it. I saw it in my fellow entrepreneurs who bought these courses and they followed the steps exactly as laid out. And did they make six figures in 60 days? No, no, they did not. Because you cannot take a generalized step-by-step -step process and apply it to every single situation and see success. Like there's time, there's a time and a place for that, but it's not here. Uh -huh. And I, and I saw the same linear thinking and I was like, we need to go iterative. Like it's just an exercise. Building a business is just an exercise in design, just as much as building technology. Like we're just designing a different system. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and then I came back to this, like, Oh my gosh, it is consistent. Like this is who I have been my entire career. Like it's just another iteration of myself. Like I'm talking about the same things in a different arena. And obviously then looking at myself and looking what I was learning in personal development and feminine spirituality and all of this stuff, I'm like, yes, it is all cyclical. It is all iterative. We all go through the same steps. So what if we took the organic nature of cycles from spirituality from nature like the cycles of the earth and the cycles of the moon because we we fundamentally at our human core understand the cycles and what if we fuse them with the rigor and the structure of engineering design process which is also iterative and we say like okay like i'm going to be intuitive because we're both intuitive and logical right brain and left brain Mm -hmm. feminine and masculine that's all inside you as a person and so like what if you were able to say like you were able to feel into where you are in your own process am i feeling really full of ideas then you're an inspiration if i'm am i feeling the urge to like do something build something that's implementation do you do you feel like you're ready to like put it out there to the world you're ready to publish your book you're ready to hit the go button that's investigation. Put it in front of people. Or are you feeling you, like you want to crawl in a hole and rest for a while? That is a normal part of the process. That is called, I call it introspection in my spiral process. Mm -hmm. You can call it re-evaluation. You can call it a whole lot of things. But like this is an important part of the process that is often overlooked. We often like in our own personal spirals, we're like, you know, we hold ourselves, we want, we hold ourselves to this really crazy, like weird robotic cultural ideal that you have to be productive all the damn time. Oh, and I like, totally am guilty of it. 
and you're you're not designed for that as a human. Like, yeah, on those days when you're like, oh my gosh, I just wish I could take a nap. Take a nap for crying out loud. Like, you need it, and it's part of the cycle. When you're confused about how to move forward, whether that's in business or in your personal life, you're trying to solve a hard problem. It doesn't mean it's time to rush into a solution. A natural part of the process is just sitting with it for mm-hmm. a while. And the sitting with it is just as important as the building of it or the testing of it or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, tr- again, it's true in engineering, it's true in business development, and it's true in personal development too. And yeah. so that's, that's like the message. That's, that's how it's come for me. Like, I mean, and I see it play out in my life all over and over over and over again but I your question was how do we use that so first of all just knowing that concept yeah like opening yourself to the cycles seeing them happen both on the like kind of softer like oh yeah the moon is full side Uh and on the on the more structured like no legit this is how we develop new technology as a society like we culturally use these iterative structured processes to do that Uh Like, and to start to pay attention to it in your own life. Like, that's the first step. Ah, Guys, she said it. Did you hear it? I always say it. Awareness is step one. Awareness is step one. That's the first step. I love it when other people say it and it's not me. (laughs) Because, and and it's, it's, it might be a little frustrating to hear this, but I do believe that, that this iteration, this spiral development is equal parts intuitively feeling into it and deliberately driving it forward mm-hmm. it's got a it's kind of both so like there's there's an intentionality piece that's like the deliberately driving it forward but there's also a like you got to check in with yourself like are you ready to move forward mm-hmm. you might not be and that's okay mm-hmm. and so and where is the line mm-hmm. i have no i have no idea i i so i wrote a book about this subject it's called spiral shockingly and um <laughs> I'm and trying to get this book, I'm like, and that's, <laughs> that's one of the chapters. One of the chapters is like, how do you know? How do you know when it's time to move on into the next one? And I'm like, well, I can give you like some like markers that are like, if you're feeling this way or that way, it might be time for this other stage. But ultimately, and this is what I wrote in the book, I can't tell you that. Uh-huh. This is the part where I can't tell you that if you just follow this four step system. Uh-huh. You know, this is the part where you have to take it and make it your own Uh and really ask yourself, what's going on with you? Are you ready? Like, what do you want next? Uh Uh I love that. Would you, would you say the steps in, in the spiral, in the iterative process, are they the same for everybody or are they different? The steps are the same. And the the steps are also archetypally the same. Mm-hmm. We see the same steps come up in engineering. So we, the engineering process I talked about with like design requirements, mm-hmm. de, you know, design and implementation, mm-hmm. testing, and an evaluation phase are mm-hmm. the four steps by different names. And those were the linear process. And then to make a spiral process, you just put that on a circle and do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a lot of people like, like to talk about, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and not a lot of people talk like to talk about like, 
how you make that connection on the back end, like to go around again, which is some, another thing I like to talk about a lot mm-hmm. because it is important. How do you move into the next spiral from the previous one? But that's another podcast. Um, but there's but also, I have to have you on here again. Archetypally, archetypally, all of the, like we see a bunch of these like four phase archetypes all around us. The earth seasons are spring, summer, autumn, and winter. And those like in tra- traditionally you, like you can think about it as planting, growing, harvesting, and fallowness, right? So it's a harvest cycle, which aligns perfectly with the phases of inspiration, implementation, investigation, which is like a harvest, and introspection, which is like the fallowness part. The phases of the moon, there's four phases. There's a waxing, a full, a waning, and a new. There's, you know, in feminine spirituality, there's like a maiden, a mother, a queen, and a crone. And like we see these fourfold archetypes everywhere representing life cycles, representing the cycles of life on earth, the life of humans, the life of creatures. And why should our work, which is our life's product, be any different? My mind is a little bit blown right now. I was going to say, the look on your face is like, that was the mind blown face. That was the mind blown face. When Ellen is speechless, (laughs) that's how you know her mind is a little bit blown. I had no idea there were this many things that were representative of this kind of four phase. That's as you were going over those examples, I was just like, holy shit, this is a thing. (laughs) It is a thing. And like, you know, I think, engineers are afraid to touch like I mean the phase of the moon so woo woo right mm-hmm. like so like like and, and they're like I'm an engineer I don't buy into all that woo all of us stuff. STEM, it's not even just engineers. right I really struggle with the woo stuff right okay so then but then like on the other hand like the woo people are like oh my gosh engineering I can't even fathom mm-hmm. like I don't even know I, I can't even I don't understand what it is that you do I'm like oh but you do mm-hmm. you do because it's written inside your human body and on your human soul like we all iterate design is design is design which there's a lot of people coming out and saying that now you know there's like design thinking movement that comes out of stanford like a lot of people are thinking of it but so like there's this tech crowd design thinking engineering like uh the you know the tech entrepreneurs and they're all like this is a very formalized structured process and you're like yeah it's just mother maiden queen crone guys like like the feminine the feminist spirituality like they've known about this for thousands and thousands of years like you know but like it's the again i'm an integrator Uh it's the drawing of it together is where the power sits Uh like this is accessible to everyone this is accessible to men and women we're all human we're all citizens of earth this is accessible to all of us Uh Like I said, it's an equal part intuitive process, Uh which really pleases the woo people, as it is a structured framework, which really pleases the left brain logical thinkers. And so what what I love to open people up to is that you are both. Like even the two of us as, you know, STEM chicks, we're left brain, we're logical, we're analytical. We pride ourselves on seeing, heck no, I'm not gonna teach, I'm gonna research rigorous research right but you're still an intuitive woman Uh you're still a woman you're still intuitive you're still messy and organic even Uh if you want to research right out of it you can't Uh you know 
and and similarly like the the people who are like to drift from one thing to another that might be their preferred state uh -huh. but they still live inside this framework uh -huh. it does have a structure you can name it you can be intentional about it uh -huh. and you can choose to and and, and wanting to stay completely intuitive with it is totally fine mm -hmm. but it's a choice yeah it's a choice and you can recognize that you can make the choice the other way to use mm -hmm. it to be intentional mm -hmm. so then what would be to kind of like tie this up with a nice little bow what would be your biggest tips we talked about awareness and how how important awareness of this is um what would be some of your other big tips for helping people think in this sort of iterative way to ultimately, and you mentioned this earlier, to really like embrace all of who they are, embrace the intuitive and the logical, like what would be your top tips? Yeah. Um, so you already said, you know, that we, that we said awareness is the first step. So we talked about awareness of the process itself, mm -hmm. which is important. The next step of awareness is awareness of where you are in the cycle. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a super like, you don't have to journal about it every day. Mm -hmm. You don't have to keep a log of it. But like whenever you're feeling, you know, whenever you're feeling like something's off or you're being critical of yourself is a good time to check in, mm -hmm. you know, because I've had people who come to me and they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm just so all over the place. I'm scattered. I'm having a billion ideas a second and I can't focus on anything. I have no focus, zero focus. Amy, tell me how to be focused. And then like, Two months later, they're like, oh my gosh, I just have single-minded focus. I'm only thinking about one thing and I'm, I'm neglecting everything else to the, for this one thing. And like, I need to do other things. Like, I can't just do one thing all the time, can I? And it's like those shifts between feeling scattered or dare I say, totally imaginative and subject to an onslaught of ideas is really consistent with one part of the spiral. It's inspiration, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and feeling hyper-focused on like how to get, get something accomplished That's is indicative funny. of implementation. Uh -huh. You're ready to build. Like you're like, and every, this is something I didn't write about in the book. This will be like the next book or something like that. I've since ha I wrote the book, I've studied more about like innovation theory because that's actually a thing. I didn't know it was a thing when I wrote the book. But now I know that it's a thing. And like each phase comes with its own divergent thinking where you think of a lot of different possibilities and then convergent thinking where you select what you're going to move forward with. Mm -hmm. So like an in inspiration, you have this onslaught of ideas and you feel, you might feel unfocused. You might feel scattered. And then at the end of inspiration, you're like coming down to, you're like, oh no, this one's the one, this one's really good. And you start to move into implementation where you're like, oh, the, the question of implementation is how, how am I gonna do this? And you start to diverge again. How could I make this one idea happen? Uh -huh. And you diverge. And then you're like, okay, I'm ready to build that and put it out there in investigation. Uh -huh. And you start to converge on the solution, you build it and you get it ready to like present to people. Mm -hmm. So to your question, <laughs> you know, <in> a way, <laughs> when you start to get self-critical and you, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm totally unfocused. We're so good at beating ourselves up mm -hmm. for the stupidest stuff. That's like totally normal human stuff. Like ask yourself, like, am I unfocused? Am I scattered? Or am I really, really inspired right now? Mm 
Maybe my job right now is to just capture the ideas. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to, you know, and, I, and marinate with them. Because remember, the marinating part is really important. And when you do have single-minded focus, instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm neglecting everything else and beating yourself up for that, like harness the single-minded focus and say like, yeah, I'm going to ride this wave and I'm going to get this done. And then, and I trust, this is the biggest part. I trust that I will come out of this. I am not going to be single-mindedly focused on this particular activity for the rest of my life to the detriment of all others. And I'm going to not do laundry ever again. That's not going to happen. Like you'll come out of it before you run out of socks and you will do your laundry. Like it's going to happen. Like that's the natural cycle of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's an awareness of where you are and a willingness to step back and saying like, Hey, instead of feeling like something is wrong, mm -hmm. am I really like using the gifts of this part of my cycle or am I ready? Am I uncomfortable because I'm ready to move into the next cycle? Mm -hmm. um, that's another answer. So that's, and then the only other thing I would say is like the first step and the most important step is that usually in this, like in our culture, we put a lot of emphasis on the building of something mm -hmm. and the, and the releasing of something. So implementation and investigation. And because those are like the extroverted parts of the cycle. Yeah. And so, like, you know, you like to have something to say to people, what are you working on right now? Oh, I'm building this thing or, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm about to launch, you mm -hmm. know, or even in your personal life, if this is about your personal life, yeah, I talk in entrepreneurial terms, but, That's okay. um, but you know, in your personal life, you're like, I'm training for a marathon mm -hmm. or you're like, you know, I just registered for the New York city marathon. Like, you know, that's, that's your investigation part is yeah. like the actual doing. We that. always talk about the doing and people are like, Oh yeah, you're training for a marathon. Of course you are. And like, you never say, you never have pride, although you should in saying to someone, yeah, I'm just kicking back right now and like trying to figure out what my body wants to do next in terms of athletic achievements. And everyone's like, I don't know what that means. You know? <laughs> but that's like, but, and so, so that's my message too, is like, be aware that those, those fallow parts of the cycle, those more introverted parts of the cycle, even if you're extroverted as a person, personality, you have those inward turning parts of your cycle. Like, it's okay. You don't need to be ashamed. If your body needs a break, it needs a break. Like even runners know that it's important not to run all the time. Mm -hmm. It's important to rest your body. It's also important to rest your soul and your creative faculty. Like mm -hmm. it's an important part of the cycle. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite interviews I have done recently. And I don't oh want God. to stop. I feel like we could keep going, but I really, really love everything that you've said. This is such an enlightening topic for me and it's funny because as you're talking about it I'm like I do do this I see I see where those different parts of the cycle come up for me so thank you so much for all the things all the knowledge that you just dropped on all of us I I love it so much um I have a few wrap-up questions sure I'd love to ask one of them's kind of new-ish um and you've kind of already answered it but just for wrap-up purposes we're going to ask it again uh, okay. what does growth mean to you Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> growth means allowing yourself to explore who you are right now at, without expectation that you will be who you were yesterday. Ooh. 
That may be the most profound thing I've said this week. <laughs> well, I'm glad we <laughs> captured it in the recording. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> I love that. That was good. Okay. I was going to say, I want to just like sit with that, but quiet in a podcast is always kind of weird. So we're just going to move on to the next question. Um, I love to provide people with, obviously, very personal growth oriented. I love to provide people with resources books they can turn to, online courses they can turn to. Do you have any recommendations of resources? And you can definitely throw your book in once again, because it's so pertinent to this topic. Sure. Um, I wrote a book called Spiral. It's called Spiral, a catalyst for innovation and expansion. It does a certain, has a certain amount of focus on entrepreneurs and business development, but it also is significantly focused on personal development. Like there's actually like there's a four business section and a four personal section in each phase. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think it's applicable. If you like, if you're digging what I'm saying and you buy the book, there's like a bonus PDF that you can get um, with the book that has all the phases broken down with all the archetypes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a one page, like check-in here's where like you that. might be, how to, how to find yourself on the map basically. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, uh, available on Amazon. It's available on my website at amysimpkins.com. Um, if you do go that route, I will sign a copy and send it to you. I have Ooh. them in my, in my back office. Um, but in terms of other people's resources, you know, I really just recommend finding a group, whether that's a live in-person group or an, an online, you know, social media group, Facebook group, whatever, of people that you can like talk about this stuff with it's not like some some Facebook groups are like super goal oriented whether that's fitness or personal development or habit changing or something and that's cool like you kind of need that but like also being part of a group that is um meeting you where you're at mm -hmm. no matter what that looks like and for me the work of Rebecca Anowen um I can send you the link so you can spell it um, she's, yeah, in, I'll put it in the show notes. she's in Britain, you know, this is more of the woo woo stuff. She does like feminine spirituality and like her groups and her work has been foundational for me in tuning into my own sense of cycles on a personal level and really seeing the cycles everywhere, um, seeing the spirals everywhere. And then like working through that in kind of a gentle way mm -hmm. instead of super like driven and intentional. Um, but working through that, like meeting myself where I'm at and that, so I love, I know there are multiple groups out there like that. And there are multiple kind of coaches or mentors out there who, who work that way. Uh -huh. But like, that was a blessed change from, you know, our STEM background, which is so linear. And so like the path is laid out for you, uh -huh. you know, stretching straight out onto the horizon about what to do next and, um, being able to explore in a more organic way is so powerful for me. Uh -huh. I totally agree. Whew. Okay. One more question for you. Super straightforward. If people are vibing with you, love everything you're talking about, obviously you've already touched on the book, but where else can people find you online? All of this work on innovation theory and being iterative is at amysimpkins.com. I hang out the most on Facebook in terms of social media, but you can also connect with me on LinkedIn um, and a tiny, tiny, I have a Twitter account. Um, <laughs> mostly Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, I'm happy to talk. I love, you know, speaking to people. I love leading workshops. I love like seeing the light in people's eyes when their mind gets blown. Like I never 
really saw myself as the person who generated the mind-blowing work mm -hmm. and that's a little bit of what this has been for me so far on this journey of like coming to spiral and seeing the integration between all these different pieces of life um it's pretty cool oh holy hell i'm so excited to release this podcast this has been amazing thank you so much for all of this i'm super thrilled that you were able to come on here thank you it was so fun to meet you and talk to you and yeah we'll have to talk more because so much in common so much common experience but before you go one last thing i just want to say thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the growth tribe and thank you so much for your support if you've been enjoying what you're hearing and you want to help me and all of our wonderful guests get their message out there are a few things you could do you could send an episode that you really loved to a friend that you really think would appreciate it. You could subscribe and give us a five-star review on iTunes, or you could take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram or Facebook story. I love stories, and I would love nothing more than the opportunity to shout you out and send you a massive thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Growth Tribe. <laughs>